As vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs, we're often adapting to a new reality. This new podcast series from Vegan Mainstream is an opportunity to help you when it's time to pivot. These interviews will come from inside and outside of our community, and I hope as your host, Stephanie Redcross West, I can inspire you and give you the tools that you need to move forward. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our next interview. I'm really excited because we have really an amazing person in the house here. We have Sandra Nomoto. She's going to be kind of talking to us about content editing. She's our content doctor. And what I'm excited about today is this is a really, for a lot of people, a an asset, a resource that most of us need in our business. But I feel like we kind of overlook it. I think sometimes we forget the value of having somebody in your team, the value of having someone help you with the words that you use to express your brand, how you help people, how you change the world, and then also how you sell your product. So I'm excited to kind of have an expert on the line today that we can introduce you to if you're even thinking about updating your content, if you've been realizing that maybe you need a little bit of a makeover, um, Sandra may be your expert um, that you need. So without further ado, let me at least welcome Sandra. Sandra, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Stephanie. Uh, that was a wonderful intro. And thank you and the Vegan Mainstream team for for always sharing valuable content. Um, I've only been following you for a short time, but I've gained just so much knowledge just from what you've shared. So thank you. Oh, thank you so much. That is so wonderful to hear. I really love it when we can all be kind of a community that supports each other and helps each other. Um, so I really um, love when we're able to not only do things like these interviews, but collaborate and chat. And I know you and I've chatted just a little bit in the Vegan Mainstream Village, but I'm hoping that's just the beginning of our relationship. Great, me too. So maybe let's give people a little bit of background. Let's give them a little background and maybe let's tell them a little bit your story because I know this is kind of a newer initiative for you. So maybe give them a little bit of background on what you were doing before and where you kind of are today. Absolutely. So my career started in public relations uh, right after I graduated university in 2005. Um, I started out working for another PR firm and then decided to break out on my own uh, in 2008. And then I was running my own uh, virtual agency for 10 years. So I closed that in 2018 and then just started freelancing and figuring out what my next um, career path was going to be and, and did a, a mix of administration and communications for a few clients and then decided at the end of last year that uh, content writing and editing was really, uh, it's something that's that's always been a strength of mine. Uh, those are really important skills in public relations when you're storytelling for your clients. And so I uh, just decided to um, really start marketing that at the beginning of this year. Perfect. And I love that you mentioned storytelling because I think a lot of times when we think about the content, we think about just getting the information out. Do I need a title? I need a description. I'm writing a blog post. But I think the idea that we should be telling more stories in our messaging, we should be more kind of doing that communication. Do you have some recommendations maybe for people if they're looking at their content, if they're writing something this week that they should be thinking about so that maybe they can kind of elevate it? Yeah, I think the big people, um, or the big thing that people think about is how can I sell more? 
And I think um, the more that people learn about you, either as a founder or your team or the backstory of how you founded your company, there's there's a million different stories. Uh, I, I think of them as gemstones just kind of waiting to be found. Um, yeah, and 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 you've cut, you might have heard of the 80/20 rule as well. You should be storytelling 80% of the time and then selling 20% of the time because if you're always pumping out, hey, I've got a new product, I've got a new sale, people are going to get tired of that pretty easily. So um, you have to have that balance, if you will, um, of of other types of content before you keep asking for the sale. Okay, makes sense. Now, since we talked about that, so there's stories to be told. Let's talk a little about your story, about your experience. It's especially with you potentially in this current environment. Where mm -hmm. and how has this environment maybe impacted your business and kind of your plans that you had for, for 2020? Mm -hmm. It's been really interesting. So uh, pre-COVID, uh, I, I didn't really have any packages. So I was selling my services by the hour. The only package that I had was uh, website content. So if you needed any, if you were doing a new website, I had a package for that. And then when the pandemic was announced in March, um, the first thing I did a couple of days later was say, you know, I know a lot of businesses are being hit hard. I'm going to offer a discount. And it kind of went crickets for the next couple of weeks. You know, nobody was really biting. And then I was able to do a consulting session uh, from a really good marketing colleague of mine. She offered, you know, she, she said on Instagram, I'm going to offer a one hour consult for the next 20 people who, you know, who want one. And I, so I jumped on a call with her in early April and she really helped me to see that first of all, um, I was really pigeonholing uh, in terms of my ideal clients, in terms of vegan businesses. Um, whereas I really was open to, um, what I call now more cruelty-free businesses. So you as a founder don't need to be a vegan or you don't need to be selling vegan products necessarily. Um, there's a lot of businesses that still fall under the cruelty-free spectrum. So um, so yeah, so being more inclusive in terms of the clients that I was uh, targeting myself to, that was the first thing she helped me to see. And then the second was um, reframing my services into packages. So she really helped me to come up with um, uh, well, I came up with them on my own, but uh, just gave me that suggestion of packaging them so that people can see exactly the types of services that I can offer every month and they know exactly what they're going to pay. Because the problem with discounts sometimes is if people don't know what kind of a discount they're getting, like what was the original price before, um, it can be a little bit hard to, um, to market your services. So that I found was really helpful. And just, um, I find that the, the time at home, the extra time at home has also helped me to just stay creative and open to new ideas. So that's another thing that I, um, an unexpected benefit I would call uh, of um, this whole time. Absolutely. And I think that's a good point, especially about, who should be your target market? Who is your um, who is your customer? Especially as vegans, you know, our challenge sometimes is we want to support vegans. We want to support vegan businesses, but that customer base isn't always big enough yet. Um, maybe it's not at the scale that we need to be able to support our businesses. So sitting down and saying, okay, even though I am vegan, 
understanding where you think your services can help and how your services can still help with the things that you're passionate about, that you care about ethically, but at the same time, finding that right niche. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear that you kind of worked through that and started to see, okay, maybe those cruelty-free businesses are kind of the place to be in the way I can I can still service them and still, and still help a larger audience. Um, so I, I think that's really, really exciting. And I think that's important for a lot of people that are maybe watching this is helping them understand that you can still be vegan, you can still be an ethical vegan, but your business may have to go with a slightly wider net in the beginning so that you can service and help more people. Also, I find it allows you to help more businesses move forward because the more they get to interact with vegans, the more they get to interact with people that have that ethical code that really understand the market, many of those businesses will start to really kind of raise their awareness overall because they get to interact with you. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing I was going to say is that that's another part of uh, the content that you can put out in the storytelling. So you don't need to be, um, you can educate people as part of the content you put out and that can be part of your story, but not have to, again, pigeonhole you. So but yeah, it's one thing I've definitely learned in the last couple months. Perfect. One other thing we were talking about kind of prior to our, our pre-chat before we jumped into the interview is you were talking about doing things like um, taking classes and so forth. Do you want to talk about, I think a lot of times people have been trying to figure out what to do with this time. I know a lot of states, a lot of our countries, a lot of provinces are starting to kind of release these stay at home orders. However, it doesn't mean we're all running back into what we used to do. It doesn't mean all our businesses, some of our companies still have us maybe even working remotely and so forth. So for people that maybe do have a little bit of extra time, people that do find themselves home in the coming future. Do you have any recommendation on how they should use that time? Or do you want to kind of share what you've done with your time to, to help with development, you know, kind of personal and professional development? Absolutely. Um, I found, of course, the number of businesses that have pivoted to online has increased. And so whereas before, you know, you might have been deterred by um, having to go to a classroom. Now you you have the flexibility to do that online. And I would, if you know, if if not for your own skill building, perhaps think of your team. You know, maybe your your team is on hold, um, but you can you can um, uh, enhance the professional development so that by the time you know you reopen your your brick and mortar uh, business, um, they've got a new skill under their belt. So I think it's a great time to learn new skills online. And I myself. Um, you know, I was doing a bit of soul searching through this time and thinking, you know, what else can I offer potential clients and um, books are something that I've been fascinated with. I, I launched my own um, my first business book last year. And so I've got that experience on the writing side. But um, with uh, one of my favorite things to do is to edit content. And so the, the, the biggest piece of content that I, I can possibly edit is a book. And so I, I yeah, I went online, I found an online book course and, and finished that uh, in a few weeks. And I'm really excited to, yeah, start thinking about what how I can package that as a service now. So. Perfect. And I think that's the key is for a lot of people, maybe their businesses are not doing the same amount of sales they were doing before. They're scaling back. They're doing curbside. They've moved online from distribution. And what I try to get a lot of people to think about is that this is the time to do those things that you've always said you wanted to do, to do those things you never had enough time to do. And from an editing standpoint and a content standpoint, 
I think sometimes for many of us who've been in business for a while, you know, six months, a year, two years, what happens is we don't always go back and look at our content. We don't always go back and do that refresh. And I really think this is such a great time to do that. I think this is such a great time for people to kind of pay attention to their voice and make sure mm -hmm. that their voice is crystallized. Um, have they been telling the stories of what's happening behind the scenes in their business? I don't know if you have any thoughts or any recommendations for people if they if they are listening to this and the light bulb's going off and they're like, oh yeah, maybe I should be doing that. Do you have any recommendations on what they should do or what should be their approach? I mean, I think every business is going to be different. Um, but as you were speaking, I was thinking about the one week detox that I took. So um, I, I felt in March that there was just this onslaught of, of content about COVID-19 and it was just too much. And so I took a break from my my personal social media. Of course, I had to be on it for, for a client. But um, yeah, that gave me some time to step back and think about what content do I want to put out. And that timing really worked out well with the new packages. So I was able to kind of think about, okay, how am I going to reframe um, either my brand or my packages um, in a new way? So it, it's personally helped me. And I know, I know not all businesses are going to be able to take take that break from social. But if yeah, if there's a way you as a founder can sort of step away um, or even, yeah, take a break and look at what you've, what the content that you've written in the past or put, put out in the past and see how you can rework that in a way that speaks to your audience a little bit better. Um, I think that'll only be to your benefit. Um, I also heard a stat that um, uh, the most successful um, messages in, during a crisis are ones that talk about safety, emotional release, or control. And so if you're not kind of posting within those boundaries and, and spreading more fearful messages, again, that's not going to be something that resonates with your audience. So. Yeah, I think that's good. good. Really good advice. And I think you mentioned the whole point of feeling like you can't step away. A lot of times what I tell people when they feel like they can't step away is you just reduce what you're doing. So if you're posting three days a week, or if you're posting five days a week on social media, maybe you post, if you're posting five days, you post for two days. If you're posting three days a week, you post for one day for three weeks in a row. And then that way, you're not going completely dry. You're not just, you know, going completely away from it. You still are keeping that momentum going or keeping things going. But because you're not posting those two extra, four extra um, posts per week, you can use that time for reflection. You can use that time, like you said, for a little bit of a detox and maybe um, use that as a time to, you know, recalibrate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The other thing is when I think about content and finding your voice, one thing we've been talking about and telling people, and you can tell me if you agree with this or you see it differently, is I've been telling a lot of people that they have to get practice sharing their message. They have to get practice kind of sharing their voice. Um, I have a couple of my clients where I'm having them do videos in the morning. These are not videos that are going to be published anywhere or anything, but every morning they just get up, grab their phone and tell a story about what happened to them in their, in their business the prior day. Talk about how they're feeling. Talk about what they would want to say to a customer because maybe before they're ready to put it on paper and ship it out <laughs> to the world, starting to get them to practice talking about themselves and their business and brands. For some people, we just don't get enough of that practice. We're normally like mm -hmm. tinkering away on the product or the service that I've found that has helped people kind of 
really help find their message because they're getting that practice. And in, especially this day and age when we're not going to events, we're not speaking on stages and things like that. This has been a way I've been helping, you know, people kind of supplement that feeling of speaking and, and, and talking, especially if you're not ready for prime time. Have you done anything like that before or worked with anyone or had any recommendations on how you've helped people develop their voice? I think that's a great tip. It's something I've never thought of, but uh, um I remember back in my PR days. Um, yeah, I, I have some clients that are that are better writers and others that are better speakers. You, it, it's really important to be a good speaker when you have a TV interview, let's say, or yeah, an online uh, web interview to do. And so we would prep them. We would do some some practice interview rounds before that. Um, but yeah, I think the daily the daily uh, the daily video is great because the more you can do it um, consistently, the better you're going to be, obviously. And also works on the flip side. Um, there are people who are great speakers, but they're horrible writers. <laughs> and so um, that's when you have somebody like me or somebody on your team who can translate that that content into written form. And so you're you're you know you're covering the best of both worlds. Um, but but I find I, I think people are more scared of speaking than they are writing. Um, and that's a, a point you brought up is, you know, like you said, if someone's a better speaker than a writer, they would have someone like you to help them with that translation. Could you give more examples of when someone should know that they're ready to hire someone like you, to hire someone from a content standpoint? Like at what stage, either in their business or what stage in their experience level, should they reach out to someone like you and, and consider um, getting kind of a, a content doctor in the house? Mm -hmm. I was just doing a consulting session with somebody yesterday who's a solopreneur, um, super impressive. She seems like she has a team of 10, but is, is running, a, you know, selling products all on her own, doing doing her content. And so I think of somebody like her who um, obviously, you know, you have to keep your budget in mind. But if you do feel like you, yeah, you can bring on somebody part time um, to help with that with that content. Um, and maybe it is still you uh, telling that person what you want to put out. Um, but but yeah, I think if you can save save yourself some time and so that you can focus on, on what you do best and, and running the business while somebody else can help you put that content out there and, and tell your story. Um, and then it's also good to have their perspective because um, one of the lessons I learned in PR is that we see things that our clients don't. Um, so um, again, gems about their backstory that are that are super cool and, and we end up using as an angle um, that they didn't see themselves or thought um, was actually story worthy. So it's always nice to have, um, if not a team member, at least, yeah, somebody else that you can bounce ideas off of. Okay. And then when we say content, I feel sometimes like those are our marketing words. You know, that's not how everyone thinks. Should we break down what we mean by content? Meaning, are we talking emails? Are we talking blog posts? Are we talking press releases? Maybe break that down for people so they understand kind of when they need to bring somebody in and what type of materials um, we're, we're talking about of getting that content touch. Yeah, I like to think of content as any potential type of uh, market communications material you're putting out there. So whether that be social media, newsletters, uh, press releases does count as part of that, I think, although you are sending it to a specific media person or blogger or influencer. Um, I had, I've, I've had a lot of questions in the past, in the recent, um, recently about what copy is versus content. And, and I think copy is being less used, um, only because it's more advertising related. So it can be copy on your website. Um, but copy for social media, say, would be more of like an ad that you would use to boost, 
Um, so yeah, so I think content is being used more nowadays because it is overarching and it includes almost everything that you put out, whereas copy is, yeah, is less, so it's more, more for ads. And do you think more people need to lean into content, meaning we're doing a little bit here in social media or putting a little bit out, but how much do you feel that people, if they, if they think of their marketing strategy around con, uh, excuse me, their marketing strategy, how much content do you think they should be putting out? How much content should they be focusing on or what portion of their marketing strategy should be dedicated to content? Um, yeah, I, th I think it would be a lot. I think the percentage would be pretty, I have to think more about that, but I would say it's, it's probably 80%, right? And I'm, I'm trying to think of, of marketing that isn't content actually. Um, yeah. Yeah, okay. sorry, I forgot the last bit of your question. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's perfect. Yeah, because I think a lot of times when people, they think of an email as it's one email, I send it out, you know what I mean? It's almost like it has a limited shelf life. <laughs> no. So therefore, they're like, ah, that's not really that much on the content side. They may see a blog post as their big marketing content um, only because it lives on the site, it gets indexed and people come back to it. Um, but I was kind of, I guess, hinting at the fact that I think we need to all take a step back sometimes from our marketing and really look at, well, how much content are we getting out? How much information are we really providing to our community? Um, and how much time are we investing in that content so that that content is impactful? And then to your point, how much of that is really copy from a sales side and kind of pulling that to a side and saying, do I still have enough content left? Do I still have enough kind of yeah. information that's really content rich when I pull out any content, excuse me, I pull out any copy or any of that sales, those sales components? Yeah, I, th I think I know where I was going with that now. Um, there's wide and there's deep. So, so when you go wide with your content, it's like I'm on all platforms, right? And maybe you maybe run a business that you need to be. Um, and that could be once a day, that could be multiple times a day. Um, but I think you also need to think about deep. So say for business to business, you know, we're going to spend most of our time on LinkedIn, right? And maybe not so much on the other platforms. And we're going to go harder on that because that's, that's what's going to drive us more sales. And then, um, yeah, and then the copy aspect is, okay, I, I know that this this particular piece of content sells um, that's going to sell my my course or my services. So I'm going to put put uh, um, put investment into that particular uh, copy or piece of content. So, yeah, there's a lot of factors I think you have to think about, but it all depends on the type of business that you run and who your audience is and where they're spending the most of your time. And of course, what um, historically has brought you sales in the past. So. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. And now do you have any last minute kind of advice or recommendations for anyone um, either when they're thinking about their content strategy or they're thinking kind of moving forward um, what they should be doing, especially in light of this current environment? Yeah, I think we, we talked a bit about, yeah, just taking a step back. I find, um, yeah, just getting pers some perspective uh, always helps with with getting new ideas as well. And then the other part is is ask for help. So that could be directly your audience. You know, what do you, what do you want to see from us? Um, or or going to a consultant like I did that somebody that you trust um, and, and say, hey, you know, I need an audit from somebody on the outside because uh, I'm too close, too close to my own content. And I just need an outside perspective. I find that that definitely helps. So. Perfect. Perfect. Making sure getting that that. 360 views sometimes definitely mm -hmm. can help because we can we can definitely 
kind of limit ourselves sometimes when we're in our in our own business. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really glad we had a chance to chit chat. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about content and the importance of it um, because I really do feel like it's a huge, really, it's just such a, it's a great marketing kind of tool or asset in many of our businesses. And sometimes because we're trying to hit a deadline, get something out, we don't take that step back and make sure our story is coming through, make sure that um, the content matches the voice and so forth. So I'm really glad we had a chance to, to talk about that um, today with you. And I'm really glad we had a chance to introduce you to maybe um, our audience who hasn't been familiar with before. Do you want to give them either your social media accounts, your website, just in case if someone is looking for help um, and they'd like to get in contact with you? Yeah, my website is thecontentdoctor.co. And then um, on social media, it's just my first name and last name, Sandra Namoto, pretty much everywhere. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you, everyone who watched us live. If you're watching this um, either later or if you were listening to this on our podcast, please just post any questions you have in the comments. I will either jump in and answer them or I'll give Sandra a call and get her to clarify for us. You know, it's always nice to be able to call up the content doctor and get an answer for you as well. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. We really appreciate you. And we'll see you in the next interview. Bye. Thanks.